Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Alan, I'm doing great, buddy. Um, I'm looking at the weather outside, and it's it's one of those days where winter and spring are, are battling it out for my soul. It's trying to be a nice day. I don't know how it is in your neck of the woods, all you viewers out there. I think it's a little nicer now than it has been in the last couple of weeks. And that that trend seems to be pretty, pretty much nationwide. You know, there are those glorious pockets where they don't have to care about things like weather, like in San Diego, uh, and, you know, Southern California. And, yep. You know, I know we've got a few viewers out there. So um, hello to everyone, no matter where you're at, no matter what the weather is today. Hi, viewers. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, you know, I think uh, today is a special episode. We're doing mailbag number four. Uh, we, ha- we haven't done a mailbag in a while, so I'm looking forward to today's mailbag and seeing what was selected for us to, uh, you know, to read and talk about. You're exactly right, Alan. Uh, you know, I, I love mailbags, too. They're a, a nice little departure from what we typically do. Um, and it, apparently we have a, a little I, I'll categorize it as a treat, I guess. Um, Alan, this time uh, our intern, Constantine, um, oh, sure. he, he collected, you know, Constantine. Um, yeah, he, he's got that cot there at your house. How's how's that working? Out? It's 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 fine. I've been told to say that it's fine. It's just he doesn't. <laughs> We won't get into that. Yeah. So so he was kind enough to collect these questions for us. Um, so, well, you and I are very busy people. So we are very, we really busy. do need an intern. Like it, it takes all I can do to keep the left wing uh, of, of uh, LFP worldwide headquarters running. Uh, I, some, you mean the West wing? No, the left, the left, the, the, okay. The West wing. Yeah. It's probably for the compass uh, impaired. Yeah. <clears throat> It's over there. I'm pointing. The viewers can see. There you go. That's clearly the West Wing. Not to be confused with the amazing and excellent TV show. Yes. Which has walking heads, which I never even thought about until we did this podcast. That's brilliant. All right. Not to be confused with the walking dead. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Sorry. We're tangential today. Six degrees. Um, So, yeah, Constantine has collected these questions. So you and I are coming into this double blind. I'm not totally sure this is a good idea, but let's see. All right. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Um, all right, Alan. Well, here's the first. Uh, here's the first question from uh, that Constantine has provided to us. All right. It says, um, "Dear Mark and Alan, do you realize we're not viewers?" <sighs> well, yeah. you know, it's 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 funny that uh, that this question should be brought up. Is uh, Alan? You know that the science lab here at LFP Worldwide Headquarters, and I know you've been instrumental in this, by the way. So they thank you for all the snacks you sent their way. Um, they've uh, <laughs> they've done some analysis, and the results are back. Surprisingly enough, yeah, I gotta admit, it, it's it's looking like they're not viewers. I, I man, I'm this whole podcast thing is just weird. I don't get it. It's, I'm flabbergasted. So, oh well, the more you know, the more you grow. I guess that's what they say. All right. Okay. <laughs> let's 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 move on. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, uh, l- l- let me pull up one here. I-, I don't have a fancy, cool envelope to open, but Constantine sent mine to me via email. So let me click a couple times here. All right. I don't know what that on is. This keyboard. There we That's go. That's great. Okay. It's like painting yeah, a picture. Yeah, like yeah. 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 There you have it. It's uh, audio effects, people. Uh, let's see. Um, you guys recently interviewed Kevin Simons. What was he like? And will you be interviewing anyone else from Parks and Rec? 
Well, that that's an excellent question. Uh, Kevin Simons, as everyone knows, I think, is Councilman Bill Dexhart. And uh, yeah, we had an opportunity to talk to Kevin. He was, um, you know, what was he like? He Well, he was a really, really nice guy, actually. Um, we, he, we reached out to him. He was super gracious and we took a little time to get the interview set up in advance and uh, ultimately had a really great conversation with him. I think we talked to him for 45, almost maybe almost a whole hour. It was quite a, it was quite, you know, we had a great time and, uh, he was very gracious. What'd you think, Mark? I, I completely agree. You know, I, Kevin was an extremely gracious and nice guy. And, and he also, it was very obvious to me he was a great uh, interviewee and conversationalist. You know, I, I think yeah. that there's something to the old adage about uh, silence making people uh, uncomfortable. And, and this guy is mm. a pro at jumping in uh, when things yes. slow down, but he does it without dominating the conversation, which is really a, quite a neat trick, you know? Yeah, I, I felt like the he he didn't let the conversation lag. You know, we did our best to be good hosts and good good interviewers. But uh, you know, Kevin stepped right up to the bat, and uh, he kind of you know at one point I think he was leading the interview. So <laughs> and doing it well, and doing it really well, better than me. Oh my! So yeah, so no, he was really good, and uh, I, I enjoyed talking to him. Um, hopefully, you know, we, we talked maybe about potentially reaching out to him again in the future. Um, we'll see if we can make that happen. I know that, you know, he had two big episodes he mentioned that were his favorites. Um, we talked to him around the time we did the episode Christmas Scandal, which was probably, I think he said his biggest favorite. Uh, but he's got another one coming up when he kind of comes back and there's the Scandal 2.0 and the, you know, the, the great text mexting, uh, sex <laughs> <laughs> conversation happens. Oh, I love that. Uh, um, so, so when we get to that episode, we'll see if maybe uh, we can get Kevin back on for to answer a couple new questions. But um, and then I think the second part of this question was, will we be viewing anyone else from Parks and Rec? Well, that's also a great question, and yes, we will. In fact, we've already recorded a couple of those interviews. Uh, we were lucky enough to talk to Jay Jackson, who plays Purd Happily. Yep. You heard you heard from Purd, yep. and. Uh, and we also got to talk to the amazing Mo Collins, who plays none other than the crazy, crazy Joan Calamezzo. Yeah, I love it. A lot of a lot of funs. And, and I, I believe we have a couple other irons in the fire. We don't want to give away too much. But uh, yeah, we were we were lucky enough to talk to them as well. And we don't we don't want to go into a lot of detail here. They, they were very fun interviews and we'll we'll be talking about them later for sure. So we're looking forward to those. Absolutely. Well, Mark, uh, what do you got? Well, let's see. I have another fit. You can, you can hear because of the rustling. I, I have a, yeah. I have another question I'm opening yeah. um, uh, from Constantine. Thank you, Kreskin. Yeah, yeah, it's a Foley artist is a great thing. Um, so, okay. This one says, um, oh, this one says, dear Mark and Alan, why do you not feature Constantine more? He is clearly uh, handsome and smart in the heart of the show. Uh, also, on an unrelated uh, note, have the vending machines at LFP Worldwide Headquarters, uh, why haven't they replaced their stock of onion-based snacks? Uh, from uh, Nikki M. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think we know who that came from. Yeah. Uh, I think his name might rhyme with Schmonstantine. Uh, I, Mark, I, I'm not sure that it was a great idea to let him select the questions I, for today. We may want to rethink this for the Mailbag 5 if we actually ever get to do one. I think you're exactly right. We really need to uh, pre-read these questions, I think is the long story short here. Uh, how, yeah. how about we refer this to LFP Worldwide Headquarters HR and we move yeah. on to the next question? That sounds fair to me. All right, cool. Uh, 
I did actually pre-read my questions, and this one does appear to be a real question from a legitimate uh, uh, viewer slash listener. So here we go. Uh, You have both mentioned several times that the show started to excel, i.e. found its voice and got its rhythm in season two. What are some of the largest differences you found between season one and season two so far? That's a good question. We just finished the halfway point of season two last week, so it's a good time to answer this one. Oh, man, that is a good question. Um, Well, I'll tell you what, for me, I I think that I I think that season two's plot lines, uh, among other things, got much more interesting and we became so much more invested in the characters. I know it sounds cliche to say that. Uh, As a matter of fact, I've mentioned a a quote before that I really like and I'll bring it up one more time here. Um, The Star Ledger's Alan Sepinwall has a quote that says, you know, like the office when it's clicking. Parks and Rec uh, works on two levels. It makes me laugh a lot, but it also makes me happy to spend time with these characters in their mundane but goofy little world. And I I love that description because the implication to me is I just like hanging out in this universe. Like this universe, it's just, it's just fun. I like the, the, the settings. I like the characters. And this is going to sound odd for me to say this maybe. I felt the same way about Star Wars. You know, I'm, I'm old enough that I remember the original three, Alan, um, and, wow. and I know <laughs> I'm really old and I felt this way when the prequels came out. I felt this way when the, the, the ones that came after came out, uh, the more recent ones, it's just, it's fun to get back in that universe that you know and love. And I realized that's kind of a bombastic way to answer this question, but I also feel like that's become true for Parks and Rec. I just like being in Pawnee. It's just a lot of fun. And the fact that you can have good writing and good jokes and good character interaction is just icing on top of that. I agree. I mean, I, I think the show overall is an amazing show. We've talked about it a couple of times. It's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast at all. And yet, you know, like so many really good television shows, it had a bit of a rough start, you know, and I know that this is a a sticking point with Mike Schur and the, the and Amy and the rest of the cast and the writers that, you know, they feel like they got beat up maybe a little too aggressively over little, those little first six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, you and I have said it. I mean, those six episodes, any other TV show, probably where we scored them, you know, I don't know how many little Sebastians we were giving out there at the beginning, but it was really low from my memory. You know, if other shows, we probably would have been a lot more generous. Um, and when you do compare like a, I don't know, um, The Reporter, which I think is episode three or so, uh, maybe episode two, uh, to what we've seen here with Ron and Tammy and, uh, you know, some of the more recent episodes, Hunting Trip, one of my favorites. Yep. There has to be a mathematical distinction in your enjoyment score between those two shows. I mean, the show is just clearly in its own and has hit its stride by this point in here. And yet I feel like we're in a little bit of a tiny secondary lull here in the midpoint of season two. We've had some really, really good episodes. You know, I think we had a nine up there. Um, we're back in the eights and some seven and a halfs. And what's about to happen is that, you know, there's going to be a big shakeup in the show that's about to happen yeah. where, you know, a long-term character to this point is going to go away. A couple of long-term characters are going to be here for most of the rest of the run are coming on board. Um, and the show's going to kind of go into its second phase, if you will. Um, and, and, you know, there's probably some reasons behind that. I'm sure we'll talk about that as that starts to happen with the show. But really, it's a solidly good show at this point in season two. Um, 
and you know, no sophomore slump here for sure. Right. Right. So for me, I think Mark, the, the biggest differences between season two and season one are that they just, well, one season two is going to end up having, I think like 24 episodes, obviously season one was that really short six stint. You know, we talked about why that happened because Amy was pregnant and right. had the late start and, you know, came in after the Super Bowl as opposed to coming in before it. And so, you know, six seasons is not a lot in order to build a ramp. And so they needed part of season two to do that as well. So I, I think that's another reason it stands out as being, quote, so much better than season one, even though eh, season one had some some funny stuff in it, for sure. It was just very, very short. Oh, it definitely did. I, I agree. And, and, you know, it's it's a very, very rare show and a rare occurrence when you can fully flesh out a character for someone to thoroughly enjoy in one or two or three episodes that that takes right. a while. And I think that what they have did masterfully in season two is they've turned these two dimensional cutouts of some of the characters right. to real three dimensional people who we kind of care about now. Yeah. I mean, I think our opinion on several of these folks changed between season one and season two substantially. Yeah, I would agree. Well, Alan, how about we uh, we move on to another question? Okay. Here, I, I think I've got one ready. Oh, okay. This one says, as you guys watch the show for the podcast, what are some of the big differences you're finding between that and watching it casually for fun? Oh, mm, man. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll answer this very simply for me. Um I, Alan, I think you have much better intuition than I do. And so I know for me, I tend to miss little things if I'm not paying close attention. And, you know, if life happens, blah, 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 I get distracted squirrel. Um, there's a lot of really well nuances, be they in plot or, or character actions or, or voice inflections or whatever, that really adds some great flavor to the world. And, and sometimes they're missed. So when I'm going through with this, and I'm not only watching the episode and enjoying it in that sense, but I'm also actually mm. looking at the writing and the script. And I get to be aware or I make myself aware then of stuff like um, not only just how clever the writing is, but like distribution of lines. You know, we've, we've talked about how deep uh, their comedic bench is and how much of a good thing it is when they make good use of it. You know, you pay attention right, to this right. sort of thing and it tells us exactly how well they're doing with that. Or sometimes not, you know, sometimes, oh man, well, where, why wasn't uh, uh, Donna in this episode or why wasn't uh, Tom in this episode? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think if you're just watching casually, um, you know, it's a lot like listening to music in some ways where I think sometimes if you listen to the music versus letting the music be on in the background, those are two totally different experiences. And, you know, when I get out my schematics and my Bunsen burner and I sit down to watch this show critically, that is a different experience than just sitting there and watching it while I'm eating, you know, a pepperoni breadstick. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, in jokes are funny. Yeah. I hope to be a part of one of them one day. You are. But but in all seriousness, I, I feel like, you know, there's the downside of this, fr frankly, is that and I, I wonder what it's like to be a critic professionally, because I wonder if you ever get to enjoy anything, just straight up enjoy it. Yeah. Um, because you always are looking at it through that filter. And so as much as I've really enjoyed rewatching the show um, for, for all of our viewers at home and for us to talk about, I think in some time, in some ways, it, it, you're looking at it so clinically that it's not as purely funny as it might be if you were just watching it in real time the first time for enjoyment. I, I completely agree. I mean, what's the saying? You can't see the woods for the trees. 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Great point. So, so I, I we are, we're enjoying doing this. No one make any mistakes about that. Um, and we will continue to sacrifice ourselves for you, the listeners at home, to produce quality, uh, you know, empirical data for you to review with us each week. That's our commitment to you. I agree with all the things that he just said. <laughs> All right, Mark, you got a question for us? Uh, yeah, let's see. Um, let's see, let me open my envelope here. Mm, oh, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't need my envelope. This is, um, this is a cool one, Alan. This one actually uh, came to us uh, via the Live from Pawnee website. Uh, from, we have uh, a website? We, we do. Constantine set it up. Oh. Yeah. I got to check that out. Yeah, it's a. What, is that live from Pawnee.com? It is live from Pawnee.com. Uh, the, the, fir- okay. the first draft of it was very onion themed for some reason. It has been revamped, <laughs> so it's not nearly that oniony. Uh, so I think it's actually thank, quite thank good. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, this came to us uh, from someone who wrote in via the website, uh, the gentleman named Michael. Uh, and it's really a comment more than a question, but I kind of like this. He says, Yeah. Uh, Greetings. I finished season one of your podcast rewatch, which thank you. Um, just sharing information about Donna's limited use during season one. I think it was Mike Shore who said that they liked Retta immediately and wanted to add her to the series, but season one was already written. Hmm. Ah. Interesting. Yeah, I had never heard it quite that way. I, I did hear there's there's several podcasts out there I've listened to where Mike has either been a guest or one of the other key members has been a guest. Rob Lowe's literally comes to mind. I know Mark Marin uh, was doing some stuff with The Good Place and Mike was on that a few times as were, you know, a few other folks. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly where Michael heard this, but I heard the same thing. And I, I believe it's true. I know I, I watched a few of the Paley Fest interviews. Um, they did one, I think, in 2009, 2008. 10 or 11, then they did one at like maybe, you know, the seventh season uh, or no, it was, a, it was a regroup, I think, at the end of the series in 2019. And, you know, the, they shared a lot about the early days of the show. And I think that's where we learned about, you know, kind of how it actually truly only launched as a six episode uh, season in season one, you know, the tr- kind of the truth behind that, because they never really told the full story before. Uh, you you just were led to believe it was one of those, you know, the 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 that the network wasn't going to necessarily invest until they knew whether the show was going to be a hit. And that wasn't the case here. I think they had a lot of trust in the people who, who were getting it because of the success of the office. And so they could have started with a much bigger season than they actually got. Um, I would say in addition to, to Donna or Retta, um, who truly is starting to come into her own here in season two, it's one of the things I've really enjoyed about it. You know, she's getting better lines. She's getting more lines. She's getting her great looks to camera. She's got such an expressive face Mm -hmm. and she's got this infectious kind of response to it. Then, you know, you can't help but enjoy it as well. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think then Jim O'Hare as Jerry's got a very similar story to tell. Mm. You know, there's a lot of punching bag Jerry, and we probably mentioned him quite a bit more than Retta because of that. Yeah. And, you know, I think early on that wasn't necessarily how they were going to use him. And it kind of became a thing. They're like, hey, this is working. Let's let's keep this going. You know, I think they kind of knew that about five or six episodes into the series. Um, 
Chris Pratt, I think he's another guy I read, you know, in an article um, that they had on AV Club that they had hired him and they didn't really know how to use him. They just knew he was funny. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know if they ever knew he was going to be on there for as long as he was. But I think he also just was one of the people that they wanted to get in there and get in the gang and then let them eventually find their spotlight. And I and I know that that's what Michael's referring to here. You know, Mike Schur said as much about Retta and about Jim O'Hare as well. Then I think on the flip side of that, that same AV Club article talked about, you know, Nick Offerman was pretty much Ron Swanson from day one. They knew it the (laughs) second they kind of had him, you know, talk as Ron. Yeah. Um, And and, and, in fact, we've talked about this in the past, Mark. Ron is as much Nick as Nick is Ron in terms of the things that Nick brought to the role yeah. that they're like, ooh, let's make that part of of the Ron Swanson story. Like Nick actually being a real woodworker. Absolutely. So Ron became a real woodworker. Um, those kind of things. I think Aziz they knew was dead on in life. Um, and, you know, and then we knew, I think we mentioned this in our Galentine's Day episode which was a mailbag as well, you know, where really the heart of the show was always going to be, you know, Amy and Rashida um, as Leslie and Anne, and that, you know, no matter what, that was going to be the core of the show. And they just knew they had surrounded themselves with amazingly funny and great characters that they could, that could add flavor, even when they didn't know what that flavor was going to be. Yeah, well said. I, I seem to recall um, something that that um, Amy Poehler had said when they were looking for, um, I believe, a, a hunky uh, policeman uh, to, to, right. to fill the role in season two. And, you know, that description, you go, ooh, what beefcake are we going to bring in? And then she goes, oh, Louis C.K. And they're like, well, did you? Well, OK. But wah, wah. and then she said, look, he's you bring in the funniest people. You bring in the yeah. right people and, and the rest is going to write itself, so to speak. And she's absolutely right. And I think it was a similar thing to what you were alluding to here. You know, Chris Pratt, extremely talented, extremely funny. How are we going to use him? I don't know. But you know what? It's going to work its way through because we yeah. have talented. And plus, they have really, really talented writers who can make sure that that happens, of course. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's no arguing getting back to the original uh, question. I don't think there's any arguing that both Donna and Jerry are our fan favorites, tremendously talented and funny. And we're both critically underused in season one. And I mean, to a certain degree, even the start of season two, I would say, as they're kind of still getting their wheels as far as like, how can we introduce them into the plot? Um, and I can see how season one uh, already being in the can, so to speak, uh, yeah. is, is probably a big sticking point as far as like, well, OK, what what can and can't we do as far as adding them in? And maybe all they could do at that point is have them as uh, background players, so to speak. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, so that answer makes sense if that's the the full reality of it. And and I think it probably is. I think it's fair. You know, I think they had the, the show fully scripted out because of the way it started. They wrote it at a time when they thought they were going to have a longer arc than they actually ended up with. So the fact that those six episodes were pretty much written when they were, you know, as they went to film and, you know, kind of hiring these last minute add ons to the cast, um, that makes total sense. And, and yeah. we also know they made course corrections. Um, you know, for example, uh, Mike Schur talked about in that same AV Club article about how, you know, 
Amy Poehler as Leslie, you know, they got this feedback that she was kind of coming off, you know, as kind of ditzy and wishy-washy. And that was the, not their intention at all. Right. And so they did things to make, they, they'd always intended her to be really smart and good at her job, but they realized that they weren't selling it and it wasn't coming across that way. So they did some things to specifically double down and make sure that we understood that that's who Leslie was. And I think that was a great course correction because it it's, you and I talked about this in the past. You know, some of those scores in the early days, you know, we didn't really like who Leslie was yet because we knew who she was going to be. Hashtag canvassing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great example. <laughs> great, great callback. All right. That's a good answer for that. Do we have a what do you think? Should we do a few more? Yeah, let's do Mark. Um, I've got one here from my sheet. Um, let's see. WTF is going on with Andy. Is he <laughs> over Ann at this point or what? Well, uh, okay, I, I sense some heat behind this question, Mark, and I think you and I have already talked about this a little bit. I think we feel the same way. We're we're ready for him to move on. Oh my gosh, this is this has bugged me a lot. You know, I, I've said in the past. Let's level set real quick, yep. right? We just finished episode fifteen of season two, which was Sweetums, which is a great episode. Yes. Very funny. Um, and I think we're we're at this point now where some things have happened that we're we're starting to see Andy recognize what's potentially there with April. Mm -hmm. He is literally, Ann Perkins, mm -hmm. literally just moved on and not by by much more than two weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is <laughs> the, the, I get the heat being behind this question. This has bugged me a lot. You know, I, I've said this in the past. My my favorite version of Andy is the good natured, lovable goofball um, who may be a little oblivious, a little bit self-centered, but is also loyal and sweet and very funny. Um, I understand the Anne Andy plotline as an opportunity for them both to grow. I get it. Uh, I never thought that this portrayed Andy at his best. I mean, I mean, due to the nature of how they were making them interact, he, he comes across as a real jerk, and you don't you don't want to see that. You know, the, the, you have to yeah. like these people, otherwise you're gonna you're gonna have people uh, not want to watch him. You know, that was your quote from That's a while right. back. Um, yep. <clears throat> great Alan. Uh, so yeah, this is why I've been so excited about the, the impending romance between April and Andy, not only because those two are so good together, which they are, but also because him uh, pining after Anne, I got to say, it's not that funny, nor that interesting. You know, we, we've seen where he allegedly said goodbye to Anne and we were like, okay, is this it? And keep our fingers crossed only to arguably maybe backslide a few times, which kind of made me mad. Yeah, but I, he very much did. I don't know. I, I think at this point, if I was going to be the dime store psychologist, I think he's still hurting from the loss. But I think at this point, he's more or less moved on. I will I will feel much better once we get two or three additional episodes in and he doesn't make any weird and related comments or do any and related actions about being jealous or whatever. If we can go a few more, I'll feel a lot better. Yeah, when you sense that he's truly crossed that line and won't be stepping back across it, I think we'll all feel better about it. And, you know, and April is is being very, very patient with him. Um, she's investing in her her part of the relationship already. Uh, you know, and Andy's going to come around here shortly. And things, as I recall, things escalate pretty quickly once they do. Yeah, I think you're right. So looking forward to that for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Mark, do do you have any more? Do you think we have time for one last question? Yeah, I think we could do one more question. Um, I have one here. Uh, Oh, hold on. All right. Let me, let me open my, uh, is that a bag of Doritos or is that an envelope? Don't, don't, you don't cross the fourth wall that we've talked about this. It's an envelope people. It's a delicious, crunchy, cheesy envelope. All right. (laughs) All right. So this one just simply says, uh, dear Mark and Alan, what do you guys think of Justin so far? Mm. Mm. Yeah, this is an interesting one. You you know what? I want to hear your opinion first. Well, again, we're sitting here. We've just finished Sweetums. Um, you know, being, you know, I, I had my, my schematics and Bunsen burner out yesterday and I'll be honest, I'm looking ahead a little bit yeah. and I, I, I know what's about to happen, Yeah, but I won't tell our viewers at home cause I don't want to spoil anything for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like, and I think I felt like this before someone encapsulated it, encapsulated it in a future episode and said it very explicitly and very well. Justin is kind of one of those people who loves stories and loves to be a part of the thing and then talk about it, but he's not super deep in terms of his relationship commitments and he's about having fun and good times and nothing wrong with those things. He's he's a great guy to go hang out with at a party, but I don't know if he's going to be the guy I call when my car's broken down on the side of the road or I need something serious out of him in terms of relationship. You know what I mean? I, I do know what you mean. It's it's a weird. I don't know if Leslie sees that yet, but I think I think we as viewers of the show see it. I, I think I would mostly agree with that. It's this is an interesting question. You know, I, I know people like Justin, and I got to say, it's hard to not like a Justin esque uh, character. Sure. You know, they're, they're charismatic. They're yeah. they're interesting, smart, charming, charismatic, and never a dull moment, and you know. I will say also I've I've met people that are blowhards. I don't mm. think Justin's a blowhard. I think that he no, he's I agree. it's it's not so much that he is just instantly offensive like oh god dude shut up. And yet, I will say that there's a difference between having a 5 minute conversation with a Justin versus an extended conversation versus having to talk to them all the time. I I think that yeah. And I kind of alluded to this, something I said earlier in the show, I think there, there's an art to being interesting without dominating the conversation. You know, to me, mm-hmm. one of the greatest tricks that you can do during a conversation is to make everyone else feel engaged and involved. Monologues sure. can be uh, very enjoyable, of course, especially when given by someone interesting, but that's not always what someone's looking for. Sometimes they're looking for being engaged in it and having a part of them in it too. So it, it's weird because it does seem like he kind of one-ups whether he means to or not in a way. And uh, then it's kind of the Justin show, whether he means it to be that way or not, you know? I'm sorry, Mark, what were you saying? I, I, I quit paying attention. <laughs> Look, no, no, you're- <laughs> It's the Mark show, pay attention, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> no, you're you're exactly right. Well, and I think it was actually Brandanowitz who said it like super well in one of his, in, his engagements with Justin, where he said- um, uh, I think he mentioned something about Justin swimming across the English channel or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah. And that was in response to me saying, you know, I, I took a, a lap in the pool or something, you know, like, it's like, I swim at the Y. 
Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and he's done the English Channel twice and that, made a world that, record. That seems or equal. Yeah. Yeah. He does seem to be in the business of one upping and uh, that can get irritating very quickly. So Leslie hasn't seen that yet for whatever reason, because I think he's not necessarily trying to compete with her. He's just trying to wow her. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she's obviously done her best to wow him, you know, and got herself in trouble. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like him, but I don't like him. Yeah. I, I think, you know, again, he's a great guy to invite to the party, but he's not the person I'd want to set up a long-term, you know, relationship where I expected things to be mutually um, equal. I'll say it that way. I think I I would leave it at, I I understand why other characters might be a little off-put slash intimidated by him. And I get that by him not being able to read that, those tea leaves, so to speak, that could be problematic but so yeah. far and again this is just going through uh what we just finished sweetums i believe so just going right. through sweetums i haven't seen justin do something where i'm like dude not cool i haven't i yeah. haven't had that moment yet so it's hard yeah. for me to go i don't like the guy i just realize how it can be awkward with his conversational crepecnadillos well here's what i'll tell you next week is galentine's day and um you might change your mind. I might. I Spoiler may. alert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you might not. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk afterwards and see how you still feel about Justin. We certainly will. Yeah. I, I, I believe I remember what happened here. So I, but, but you know what I mean? It's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to draw a, 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 a line against someone when they haven't had, you haven't had that aha moment where it's like, oh, I see you're kind of a yeah. jerk. And I haven't seen that from him yet. I only in the one upsmanship. There's been quite a bit of that, yeah. you know. And and Mark had that reference, and then Andy had a similar reference. And but heck, even Andy has to respect the guy because he can shred, uh, you know. And that's the thing about him. It's like there is something behind the things he's saying. He's not just full of crap. Um, you know, he has done some really interesting things. So he's got some some credit to back up all of his talk. Um, I think if he didn't have that, he would be instantly unlikable. Well, I, I think there's that. And also you made me realize, I know that Andy also distinctly dislikes Justin, I would say far more than he dislikes Mark. Um, yeah. And, and yet this is a partial guess on my part. I don't know if it's because Justin acted like a muckety muck or one up to Andy or whatever, as much as it was, and just gushed over him. All yeah, over I think the it's place. the latter. I think you're right. Yeah, that's what I, was I think say. Justin's style is he would have found something really cool about Andy and totally complimented and probably even meant it, um, which would have in in Andy's growing resentment of the gushing made him even more angry. And, and I, we saw Mark react almost exactly the same way. So, um, you know, it's funny that those two guys both. Well, well I won't say both Anne's exes, one of currently one of Anne's exes and one about to be, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they both feel the same way about Justin for largely the same reasons. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yep. Well said. Well, Mark, I think that about does it for this week. Um, we will be back next week. I think our episode we're going to cover will be Galentine's Day, in fact. That's so, right. Yeah. So that's a good segue into setting up next week. Um, thanks for joining us today. This was a good uh, mailbag episode. Enjoyed going through your questions. Keep them coming. You can submit feedback, as you now know, through the website. That was new to me. So that's good to know. Um, you can reach us at hosts 
at livefrompawnee.com via email if you still do that, you know, from your AOL account or whatever. <laughs> we're also on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. Yeah, we're on the Facebooks. Nice. I don't know about any of those other things the kids do. We're not on those, but maybe one day. Do we have our MySpace account set up yet? Yes. Okay. That is the correct answer. I yeah. Can you get out there and update that for me, though? I forgot my password. Uh, I cannot because I also forgot your password. <laughs> I think it's password, but oh, we'll see. Oh, I never tried that. All right. Yeah, try that. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next week and we're looking forward to it. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us. Music